those companies right now in 2020 and over the next decade that are focused on the mental health of their leaders and professionals are going to be much more successful than their peers in industry. You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier and I'm here today with James Key, founder and CEO at Sales Confidence. How are you today, James? Uh, really excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been an exciting start to 2020. I'm really keen to share any nuggets or insights that could be useful to you or your listeners. Yeah, well, we will take all the nuggets. Well, thank you for coming as well. So today we will be talking about elevating the sales profession. But before we go into the details and we, we, we attack the topic, would you mind introducing yourself as well as your company sales confidence in, in more detail for our audience? Sure. Um, well, thank you again for having me. My name is James Ski. I'm the CEO and founder of Sales Confidence. Our vision is to build the world's largest B2B sales community. So day-to-day, we're focused on helping elevate the sales profession and helping people at each stage of their career with their performance, mindset, and well-being. I personally have been in the sales and software industry for over 10 years. I was very early uh, in a British SaaS company called Huddle. Um, had a fantastic run there. And then I went on to join LinkedIn. LinkedIn was an incredible experience for me personally and professionally. And while at LinkedIn, I was responsible for um, the UK and Europe's flagship companies, as well as um, for an extended period of time, I was actually the world's number one um, social seller at LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, while working for LinkedIn. Um, So today we're building sales confidence and we also have a conference called SaaS Growth, um, which is held annually on the 8th of July here in London. Okay, so that sounds uh, like a, a great background. So today, James, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier on, we want to speak about elevating the sales profession. And we know that every single business needs salespeople to be, achieve, to be able to achieve their results and to grow. But through the year, and especially in certain industries, salespeople have developed what I would call a bad reputation. And I think there is a few stereotypes and negative perceptions around around. The, the sales profession. Could you please share with us what these perceptions are and why do you think they have organically been established? Great question. So I think as a buyer, if you've purchased something on the high street in the last five to 10 years, maybe you've bought a mobile phone contract or you've decided to rent a property or buy a property, or maybe you've been on to buy a car these are experiences as a consumer that often feel very transactional, very fast. Um, possibly you're pressured into making a quick decision because it's a very competitive marketplace. So I think generally over time as a buyer, um, particularly um, buying consumer um, goods or services, we've often been left disappointing with the buyer experience. When I think of what I understand today is the sales professional, and I guess I'm focused mainly on the B2B sales professional, and particularly within the software industry, what I tend to find is incredibly bright, thoughtful, caring, 
um, and often very emotionally intelligent sales professionals who really do care about understanding their buyer, understanding their buyer's needs, and providing the right solution at the right stage for that individual in their company. So I think we have been, as a profession, we've often been perceived as individuals not creating great experiences. And having been organizing community events for now three years here in the UK and and now expanding internationally, the people I interact with, they truly care about creating amazing buying experiences. But I do feel like we've been impacted by experiences we've had in our day-to-day lives. And then that translates into the perception of what people perceive a sales professional to be like. And I think if you were to come to one of our events, you would certainly um, not recognize those negative experiences and you would fully want to embrace the type of sales professional and sales leaders um, that we build as part of our community. Okay, no, that, that makes sense. And from your perspective, how can sales professional prove their value and, and be seen as part of a, a, what I would call a more strategic function? It's really important as a sales professional to intimately understand your target buyer the type of company, the type of industry um, that they operate in, and the type of stage they are at in their research. If you look at uh, reports from the likes of LinkedIn or um, G2, which is the world's largest platform for software and reviews, um, you will understand that about 60 to 70% of the time for a buyer is spent researching their problems and researching solutions in the marketplace before they interact with a professional. So at the point that you have that first phone conversation or face-to-face meeting, it's really, really important that you understand your customer and their needs. And you can only do this by research. And to become an expert and a trusted advisor and truly be strategic And I don't mean that from simply a language perspective, but if you understand the company that you're talking with, then you will be in a better position to advise them at that strategic level. And what I found, particularly in the enterprise, so um, when I'm talking about enterprise companies, I'm talking um, 10,000 employee um, size companies. So think about Lloyds Banking Group here in the UK that has 80,000 employees plus, or Unilever as another example. They have thousands of people. And often from a decision-making process, there's a more than, you know, group buying this. So there's seven to 14 individuals. You can actually add a lot of value if you understand the different needs of those different individuals. I think as a professional today, we maybe get an inbound request for information or we start the process with one individual we believe is the only decision maker. And so you're much better multi-threading, which basically means connecting with people at different scales and different stages within the organization and then understanding the organization and connecting the dots on behalf of that buyer. So then when you elevate yourself and you want to add value strategically, you're much more well-informed. It's not good enough just to know your own product. It's not good enough just to understand the type of buyer. You truly have to understand the organization and the people that you're looking to advise. Okay. We know that in uh, in software sales and 
I think is probably true in most of the sales profession. We know that uh, a, a large part of the earning or the potential earning of salespeople is based on commission. And to that extent, you know, they, I guess you need to sell in order to get your money or to, to make more money. So is there anything that you suggest doing around commission plan, around structure? So salespeople become that advisor in a way and that person that will, you know, really invest time in engaging with a different persona in those large accounts, understanding their needs, you know, and, and really trying to lead with best practices and, and technically helping the, the end user in a way. But don't you think that the, the way people are paid and the way commission seems to be awarded to salespeople, you know, there is a fundamental change that needs to happen there, basically, because you can spend some time educating, but surely salespeople want to sell. They want to get their commission. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. I'm a huge advocate for commission and incentivization. It's been proven um, and well documented by the data that it's very effective. You just have to look at a um, sales performance management company like exactly that's been doing this for over a decade now. Let's just be clear, making a sale and closing a deal is an extremely positive thing to do as an individual within a sales organization as a company. Fundamentally, there is no single company out there that is surviving unless their sales function is performing. And just to turn that on its head slightly, it's the buyer that matters and it's that buyer experience and we all love to buy. So there's nothing wrong with having love for sales and closing the deal. Now, One, we accept that it's absolutely okay to uh, uh, close the deal. Then we accept that there is a different type of wiring from a fundamental behavior perspective when you think about how the sales professional is incentivized. Now, particularly early in your career, so maybe you're in your first sales role and you imagine what the world of a business leader or sales leader could look like, and you're probably working towards maybe your first £50,000 um, per year annual earnings or you know that kind of magic 100000 which people really enjoy hitting, I'm absolutely fine. If you're creating value for the buyer and you're creating value for the company that you work for, that you should be rewarded um, from a compensation perspective. And there are solutions like exactly that can help you with that. What I would add to this, and this is what I am an advocate for, is sharing the rewards of a sale beyond the sales function. As we all know, the most successful sales individuals and leaders are heavily supported by their marketing function, customer success, product, PR, content. All of these other people in the business should be rewarded in the success of sales. So. For us at Sales Confidence, as an example, elements of our product line, so particularly when we think about uh, ticket sales for our annual conference, SAS Growth, on the 8th of July, every sale that is made that is not directly impacted by a sales professional who's picked up the phone and closed the sale, the results are shared amongst everybody in our company, even our freelancers get a share of the reward because I deeply understand that every single individual in the company has an impact on the sale. So just to recap, from a framing perspective, let's appreciate sales, let's appreciate why they rewarded commission. And there's lots of different approaches to optimize the efficiency of compensation planning. Let's not take it away from the fact that we should be proud of sales and we should be proud of closing the deal. And actually, we should extend the rewards for those individuals around the sales organization or supporting the sales organization. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think it's um, it would almost be ideal to have not only with the rest of the team because obviously you're right. The the, the salespeople are the are the the front of the company. They are the people going out and 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 seeing with end user. It would be also very unconventional, but probably very interesting for ourselves, for a company or sales function, to have uh, a commission plan based on the actual benefits that you are delivering to your customer. So basically, as the benefits are growing, technically the salesperson could get more money, which ultimately would probably remove the bad image or, or the that pushy sales guy type of maybe attitude that some of the some of the end users tend to be speaking about. I think, you know, if you look at um, Net Promoter Score, N, um, NPS, or you look at the experience of the buyer once a uh, purchase has been made and re- rewarding sales, but also customer success or the account management team um, for the continuous engagement or value returned in the product, I definitely see there is value. And I've seen some examples of that play out in companies. I think, though, there is just a kind of a business model um, perspective on you know when the commission is paid um, from a kind of a PL perspective and how that's built particularly into a SaaS model and how that scales over time you know I, I was just explaining I feel like you know the idea of rewarding the sales professional post-sale is a good idea particularly around MPS but I've got no, nothing really else to add to that okay uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So we know that part of your objective at Sales Confident is to elevate the sales profession as well as support sales professionals to develop their skill and grow their career path as a as a as a successful salesperson. So if we want to go into a little bit more details, what are the initiatives Sales Confidence has in place to support this shift of perception from the market? So from the the bad sales guy to the good sales guy. Yeah, great question. So the the first point is is that. Um, we're interested in supporting salespeople at each stage of their career with their success, but in a sustainable way. So, you know, the pursuit purely for an objective of a higher income or, you know, being number one is not good enough uh, in our community. So we're heavily invested with our our membership and we just launched our, our first 100 members last Wednesday, actually, at one of our evening events. And we're focused on creating an experience where they're being educated, they have access to mentorship, they have access to expert coaches, and they have access to people that can help accelerate their career. More broadly than that, it's really important for us. um, You've been talking to Daisy uh, Topman, our, our PR and communications manager and we're going to be telling the story of the importance of the sales professional a lot more broadly so for example this year we're going to be featured in the sales performance report within the raconteur which is a supplement that goes into the times to over a million decision makers in the uk and this is an opportunity for us to highlight the importance of the sales professional within the sales organization. We're also going to be published across you know, typical major mainstream and business media and the tech press. So there's a lot of liquidity in the market, meaning there's a lot of venture capital being invested in technical solutions and software, often into um, individuals that don't necessarily have commercial or sales experience quite often, but they understand how to build a product to solve problems. And it's the similar space that I imagine with your own business that you're you're solving in that area, you know, creating leads and opportunities for, for these type of founders. So we're, we're just going to be telling the story more broadly. Yes, within the SaaS industry. Um, so you would see us at major events like um, SaaS Stock in Dublin and SaaS Growth here in the summer. 
uh, and Sasta in the US telling the story on stage, but also, you know, how can we get the BBC or mainstream press like the Evening Standard to hear our story and understand that, you know, my story as well comes from a very personal journey. Um, you know, it's well publicised now, but, you know, I, I was um, admitted to a, a hospital when I was, I was 20 years old um, due to a, a kind of a mental health um, diagnosis. And as a result of that, I've kind of pursued um, and progressed to understand myself and my my mindset and how we can help people and um, develop. So I think what we're going to be doing is telling the story and the narrative that salespeople, like marketing people, like product people, like any type of person, are just human beings. Uh, and we care about each other like anybody else. And while, yes, we are rewarded more than most, yes, we have a significant income, we so are people uh, we have feelings, you know, we care about each other and we want to do the best job that we can do. So I think if we can tell that story and we can focus on the importance of emotional intelligence, the importance of being self-aware, being self-aware of how your sales process or the sales experience is created for the buyer, we're going to be in a much better position to create better buyer experiences in the marketplace. That makes sense. Well, my, my, my last question is, uh, is pretty much you know along your story and some of the things that I've seen on a, on your website guys about the wellness and the, the mental wellness of the sales profession so I know that another thing is that is seen is that it seems that lots of people kind of consider the sales function of the tough guy you know the, the tough people that are very confident can speak a lot etc but I'd like you to develop a little bit more about you know what were your finding in terms of uh, mental well-being and you know how do you help Paul? How do you coach them? Because it's got to be something that is pretty difficult to discuss as a sales professional that, you know, will want to keep their, their heads up in a way. So how, how, do you, how do you approach that topic? And do you see that topic as, as you know, something that is taking more and more energy as sales confidence? I mean, how, how big is the issue? Mm, it's, a, it's a great point. I mean, look, it's, it's been a personal experience of mine that I've been impacted by um, my own mental health challenges over the last 10 years. I've spent um, time in a mental health hospital, which is quite unusual to hear, you know, I guess a public figure, a CEO and a founder, I'm speaking openly about that, but I'm committed personally to raise awareness of mental health. I mean, it's been well documented now. I think the Royals and the Heads Together Foundation have done an amazing job in elevating the awareness around mental health in the UK. Sadly, you can log into social media on a daily basis and you will hear of the impact of negative mental health on individuals. You know, from our research and also personal experience of being working in and leading sales organizations over the last 10 years in the UK, I think the sales leader is under more pressure than most leaders in an organization. The reason is, especially in software, you've got venture capital individuals that have high expectations. I mean, an example, we had Ren Vara, who is uh, a world-leading um, founder coach and runs a company called SMP Communications. And he was speaking in an event last week about founders going to the venture capital community and making promises often based on pure speculation, um, you know, that their company is going to be the next great big thing. Well, whose responsibility is it to deliver on the targets set by the founders and the venture capital community? It's the sales leader. So the sales leader has the responsibility and the weight of the world um, on the business objectives of the company. Plus, he has or she has to manage her own self-doubt and pressure 
knowing that often a sales leader's tenure is less than 18 months in a venture capital venture capital backed business then he or she has the responsibility of you know the 5 10 20 or whatever number of sales professionals that they must look after in order to deliver a number so there is pressure positive pressure and also negative self doubt coming from all angles and while you know a sales leader may be perceived as a good public speaker or an individual that um, is charismatic or inspirational. And I know lots of analytical, introverted sales leaders, by the way, but like if you take the beginning of this conversation and focus on that perception, then you, you would argue that why does a company need to support the sales leader? Well, it's simply because the pressures are immense and it doesn't matter who it is. You know, frankly, you know, my greater purpose is to support um, the teacher, the the nurse, the care worker, the professionals that maybe don't get the recognition and respect and also have their own personal challenges. I just happen to be a very proud sales professional that's very proud about the profession and the value that sales creates in the world. And I just want it to be acknowledged that these individuals are like the buyer. They're humans. They need support day to day. So that's why for us, um, you know, we're focused on supporting the sales professional at each stage of their career with performance, mindset, and well-being. And it's that holistic approach, which means right now, you know, we have the attention of the world on sales confidence because there's simply not an organization out there that's designed a business model in the way that we have. And, you know, I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of the fact that we are going to be looking out for each other. Um, but by extension, if you're listening to this and maybe you just support the sales organization, so maybe you're in sales operations or sales enablement or marketing, you know, we care about you as well. And I just feel, um, while difficult to your point, about speaking about the challenges with your own mental health. You just have to create safe spaces in your organization and, and give people permission to share. It's difficult balance. And, you know, I would uh, I would tread carefully and I would seek advice when you start opening up what people's personal challenges are. Um, but it will completely change the culture and the positive attitude that employees or extended team members have towards you as a company and as a business if you invest in their mental health. It's as simple as that. Um, it's linked to performance. And those companies right now in 2020 and over the next decade that are focused on the mental health of their leaders and professionals are going to be much more successful than their peers in industry. Well, thanks for your insight, James. We, we really appreciate the fact that you took the time today to, to share your thoughts with our audience. So if anyone wants to connect with you to... Uh, to carry on the conversation or, or pick your brain up? What's the best way to get hold of your gems? The first thing to do is add me on LinkedIn. So search James Ski uh, on LinkedIn. Send a personal message that you heard us both speaking today, um, yeah. and then we can look at. You can also check us out um, at salesconfidence.com. And if you want to come to our annual conference on the 8th of July, um, which is for sales revenue and marketing leaders at Old Billingsgate. We've got capacity for 1,500 leaders. We're flying wow. in people from Silicon Valley. So we've got people like Aaron Ross, who's the founder of Predictable Revenue, Nathan Latka, uh, Renvara, Yako, who's the founder of Winning by Design, and many other top UK and European leaders. And if you want to come to that, actually, um, and you want to promote this and you send us a, a kind of an operatics um, 50 code. So we'll give you a 50 pound discount on any tickets if you use the code operatics 50. There you go. 
We are that everyone. Operatics, Operatics fifty, right? Correct. I will make sure that we put, we put that online as well. Well, that's very that's very generous of you, uh, James. Thank you very much for that. We we definitely check the conference and uh, see if the diary allow. But uh, we'll uh, we'll try to pop by and say hello and support you in what you are doing. So once again, many thanks for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, James. Amazing. Thank you very much. Um, thank you also to Katerina for organizing it and Daisy on our side. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be on here and, and good luck with the future. Thank you. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.